1: Uh, make sure to check them out. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to follow the show. That way you'll know when a new one comes out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. And we got us a coach. Finally, hey. they, they hired Mike McDaniel. With me to discuss that today is Louis Ragoni.
0: Hello, Doll fans.
2: And Daniel Reinhardt. What's up, Ben Fans? You guys ready? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Now I got a question for you. Okay. Uh, obviously, we we yeah. all agreed this was a guy we wanted, so I'm not going to go through that uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what do you think are going to be the three biggest challenges that he's going to face?
0: Well, number one, <laughs> which is obvious, is who's above him. I mean, that's a challenge in itself. Um, no. You know. Coexisting they've, with Greer. Well, and not only Greer, but Ross, you know, the guys that are above them, you know, whoever it may be. I mean, they've, they've failed over and over again as far as I'm concerned. And their philosophies, you know, don't match up to their draft picks. It just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't make sense as to what they've done. So hopefully, you know, he goes in there in the draft room and he says, hey, guys, listen, you know, we have to address the running back position. It's absolutely mandatory that we that we." If we're sticking with Tua, and it looks like that's what we're going to do, we have to get a, a real running back here. And, you know, that, that's, you know I don't well, want to— Most
1: of the guys they used in San Francisco were free agents, weren't they? Yeah, or late-round
0: guys. But they were extremely, extremely productive. And I don't know if it was the system, the offensive uh-huh. line, whatever the case may be, but the bottom line is, is that they made some really good draft picks— and got some really, really good running backs in there over and over again, including where Where did Mitchell get drafted this year? In the fourth fifth,
2: round? Fifth or sixth round guy. Fifth, I think fifth or a sixth, sixth fifth round, round guy.
0: Whatever the case may be. I mean, you know, I don't care, you know, how they go about doing it. They have to address it. I mean, there are always guys that are um, – I'll
1: tell you right now, early in the draft, I'm looking at tackles,
0: you know? Yeah. Well, you have to. I mean, if you and don't if ad- I
1: can't get a tackle that I want there, then I'm going to look at an edge rusher, or I'm going to look at something that I know is going to help us. Uh, you know, uh, somebody who can be an impact player.
0: Yeah, if we absolutely if we don't address it, and I'm not saying we have to. You know, I mean, our first round pick, Mike. <laughs> you know, at that point, yep. you know, the running back position may be a position that's available in regard to a really really good one because they're just not valued nearly as much as they once were. And right around that time is when you start seeing you know the better running backs going in the draft. The tackles, Mike, the guys that are going to make an impact if you look at the guys coming out this year. You know, I I don't see us ha- having an an opportunity at those guys. So uh, possibly the center You know, uh, the best center that's coming out, that's a possibility. But tackle position, they're going to have to probably address through free agency. Now, you know, getting back to your question, you know, that's the first thing. You know, they they have to, if they're going to stick with Tua, they have to surround him with, you know, definitely an upgrade offensive line-wise, upgrade at the running back position. I don't care how they get it done, but they have to address it. And they have to get a couple of more receivers in here that, um you know, that are going to help the few guys that, that, are, that are productive. Um, you know, and then uh, real quickly, you know, the second and third thing is, you know, getting a staff here, um, a, a good staff, a good offensive coordinator, and a good defensive coordinator. And, you know, with a first-time head coach, that's always, always an issue. You know, so that would be the second challenge. And the third challenge is, you know, getting free agents to buy into what we're doing over here. You know, and and we do need some free agents because with our draft situation this year, you know, it's going to be extremely difficult for us to you know really make a lot of uh, movement in regard to helping the football team through the draft this coming season, unless of course you know they've got they've got all the same guys in position. So unless something falls into our laps, which it did with Holland last year in the second round, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, these guys have a a track record that, that proves that they're not all that good at what they're doing. Uh, You know, so, you know, we've, we're going to have to rely on free agency. So we've got to hope that uh, we can have guys buy into this new head coach. Daniel, how about yourself?
2: My top three? Yep. So, I mean, I absolutely have to agree with the offensive line points that was made. Our offensive line was one of the poorest in the entire league. We have failed to really progress those guys that we've drafted high. I will say this, though. If somehow that best center in the draft you talked about, uh, an Iowa kid named Linderbaum, if there's somehow that we are able to get him, he's going to improve it a lot. Yes. And I do think that the, the running game, I think that the way that McDaniel creates offense through that running game. I think the jet sweeps and and the motions and the zone blocking scheme that he has may be able to help us a little bit. But I think the offensive line has to be uh one of those three. I also think that um that Tua is one of those three. This is going to be this is going to be an experiment moving forward with a brand new offense, with a first time head coach, with a guy who There's a lot of people who say that Tua is similar to Jimmy G in the fact that, you know, he'll make some boneheaded plays every now and then, but that he can make some quick, smart reads. And um, I think Tua is going to be one of the most difficult challenges for Mike McDaniel. And if we want to be a successful franchise, Tua has to be one of the most important pieces for that. Well, I agree with you, but I'd label it the
1: passing game, you know, the entire passing game sure quarterback yeah. to receiver to tight end all of them they, they you know he's got to find a way to get that to be more
2: productive yeah and i uh, you know i've got a point about the tight end later in the podcast when we get to it but um and then i'd also have to say the staffing uh we all know how important it is for a first time head coach to put together a really good staff we've seen the struggles that flores had with putting together a staff and keeping a staff Uh, It was a real struggle for him. Now, there's also questions around the defensive staff at this point. A lot of mixed signals and mixed messages in the uh, public forum. Are we keeping Boyer and the staff we have? um, Or is he going to bring in his own DC? Uh, There's reports that Vic Fangio is, is his target. And if that is the case, then I feel a little better about his ability to put together a staff because Vic Fangio... Uh, is a proven commodity. And, right. if, and if this new guy can bring in a proven commodity like Fangio, I think that, that that will bode well for our future.
1: Well, if I was McDaniel, I would want to bring in somebody who has head coaching experience. Sure, absolutely.
0: Yes, it, it'd be a major plus for him. There's no question about that. Um, you know, it it it's interesting because – I think with the hiring of McDaniel, I think on the offensive side, you know, through free agency, I think guys would be more inclined to come here because of him. Um regardless of what's going on upstairs. If we had hired a different coach, I think it would have been a, you know, a double-edged sword there to where you, you know, you're dealing with the clowns that are that are actually running the organization and then you know a head coach that doesn't necessarily have an offensive mind frame you know so you know these guys obviously when they sign free agent contracts have a lot of incentives you know involved in their in in their um in their contracts and um you know the fact that he's an offensive mind i think would help to some extent but um you know, I mean, you brought up a real good point, Daniel, in regard to Tua. You know, a lot of this, you know, comes down to him as well. And um you know, he he he's got to play better. You know, we can't have the excuse that well, it's another offensive coordinator and a and a whole new system. You know, he's got to learn the system. I mean, this guy's here now. So, you know what? Tomorrow Get on your horse and start riding it up until the season starts. You know, a lot of this is going to fall on Tua, and he's got to learn this system and he's got to run it. If he can't do it as the season progresses, then you know, obviously, you know, two year you know, in the following draft, they're going to have to address that quarterback position. So this is an extremely big year. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what else you can give him other than you know a, a, a few offensive linemen. I think that a running back is, is an absolute necessity. I think a, a real, real strong, I mean, threat running back would, would just help him incredibly. You know, gas Campbell yeah mike you know <laughs> larry zonka right? right um you know you could play Barry this game for a while i mean yeah.
1: those are guys that are going to help anybody you know so right i mean know. but we
0: have to get a guy- listen gaskin isn't scaring anybody
2: no agree you know
0: he's not i mean and you know let's, duke. let's be realistic about it who's that no and duke
2: neither's duke
0: no duke's solid you know and he and lindsey's solid but they're, you're not going to concern yourself with them to the point to where, man, guys, you know what? We got to play the run, and then the play action becomes just that that much, you know, that 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 much better, you know, in regard to running your offense. You know, you have them concentrating on a running back, and um, you know we're running the football well, and then all of a sudden your play action becomes much more productive. It has to become that type of situation. Um, and they have to address that running back position. They, listen, they have a lot of positions on that offensive side that they're going to have we're, to address. We're
1: leaning more towards draft than we are challenges yeah. the coach is going to face. Yeah.
0: I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think that uh, they're going to be somewhat challenged because there's a lot of pieces, guys, on the offense that are needed for them to, to improve. You know, with Tua, he's got to be surrounded by more talent. There's no question about it. And, I mean, you know, I, I but hate this. that's
1: to su- not a challenge the coach faces, right? That's Greer's challenge.
0: Well, yes. Yes and no, Mike. I mean, you know, it is a challenge to him because he's got to battle with these guys in regard to what he wants. And I think that Flores probably lost a few of those battles, um, you know, going forward. We don't know. I
1: mean, we have no way of knowing. We
0: knowing. have no way of knowing, but we can see by what how they addressed it, Mike. That um, obviously, you know, it wasn't a situation where they were overly concerned with you know I'll getting tell a top-notch running back. I think you know, or a I, young it, one.
1: I Dead. don't believe that Flores had that friction over that because if they allowed him to go after Watson, which clearly they did, because Ross visited with him, right. Then he had some leeway, you know, because that's, you know, the average person is going to shoot that down right away, but yet Ross and Greer allowed him to pursue that. So I I tend to think he he did have a lot of say in the draft process and in the free agent process. Um, Now, whether they're going to give that same uh, leeway to McDaniel, I don't know.
0: I mean, when did we address the running back? position what what round did dokes get drafted in seventh (laughs) that's my point you know i mean you know elijah mitchell who we just spoke of i mean you know even if you draft a guy mike in the third fourth or fifth round you know i mean you know you wait until the seventh round to address a position that we're not very strong at to begin with you're not taking that position very seriously You know, obviously, you know, maybe Flores had something to do with that. Maybe didn't. I don't know. But I will say this, that, you know, McDaniel, I think, is going to have the challenge of basically saying, hey, look, you know, this is a situation where I love running the football. We have to upgrade that position and maybe upgrade it with two players, you know? So we'll see see how it all unfolds. Now you're getting greedy. (laughs)
2: Let me take this back just a moment and do a little bit of a rewind to the point about Tua. Because I think this started with you agreeing. And so let me just expand on that a little bit. And what you had said is Tua needs to get on his horse and learn this offense. If Mike McDaniel starts to implement the offense that he was helping Shanahan design. Okay. Keep this in mind. McDaniel has worked with Mike Shanahan. He's worked with Kyle Shanahan and he's worked with, he's worked with Matt Lafleur and he's worked with Sean McVeigh. These offenses are not simple concept offenses. There's a lot of zone blocking. They started implementing a lot of more gap schemes this year. And San Francisco had the most uh, pre-snap motion in the entire league. So if you you add in the innovation that he'll be able to do with the RPO game, which Tua is so strong at, there is going to be a lot to learn Mm -hmm. in this new offense. And so not only is Tua going to need to jump on his horse, he's going to need to be able to stand on the horse. He's going to need to be able to turn the horse by, you know, whipping one foot and steering with the other. Like, I don't know horse references clearly, but it's going to be very, very important in this new offense that Tua is well-versed, studying it up, learning it, and, and really being the leader.
1: So Flores needs to find a really good quarterback coach and offensive coordinator to get his system implemented. McDaniel. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Flores is not here, Mike, if you haven't gotten that. It was
1: a slip of the tongue. I said, sorry, (laughs) let's move on.
2: (laughs) Brian McDaniel. uh, uh, He's worked with some really good some really good young coaches, you know, and he's come up in some really good trees. The, the fingers of the trees, the limbs of the trees that he's worked in go pretty deep. So I, I do think that he'll be able to bring in some guys that he trusts. And it's all about getting to a ready.
1: Well, he's been around, right? He, he's, yeah. he's worked with a bunch of different organizations. So he has a larger circle than most first time coaches.
0: Sure. That I, I definitely agree with, Mike. No question. Shane and that will help.
2: uh, LeFleur, McVay, these guys have all been, uh, had their fingers in McDaniel's uh, experience, coaching experience. Right. Well, what I mean is, you know,
1: he was with the Broncos. He started back with the Broncos early in his career. Then he went to the Texans. He uh, went to uh, uh, the Sacramento Mountain Lions. Uh, That was after a couple of years off. He had a bit of an alcohol problem. He got that taken care of. Uh, Then he went to the Redskins, got his career back on track, went to the Browns, went to the Falcons, and the 49ers. So, I mean, he's been around and he's worked with a lot of different coaches at each of these stops. So, it makes me think that he might have an easier time uh, putting a staff together simply because he knows a lot of coaches. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, and if you listen to the guys who have worked with him talk, you know that he's got the respect of not only the coaches that were in the rooms with him but also the players, you know, these guys uh, think that he uh, was an imperative uh, piece, a cog in the wheel, if you will, in San Francisco and the other places that he's been. I mean, listen to Kittle talk about him, listen to Robert Sala talk about him. So that's exciting to hear it's yeah. always good to
0: hear but you never yeah. hear
1: the reverse you know guys aren't going to come out and say he's a friggin moron and nobody understands what the <laughs> hell he's saying you know yeah. you're just not gonna get that so. no
0: you never you never hear bad things right you no know? you, you just don't even if there are bad things even after the fact you don't really hear an awful lot but
2: I'll google search it and get back to you guys okay
0: you yeah. know a, a guy that in this offense, you know, you mentioned Kittle, a guy that you know it may very well help getting back here for whatever reason is Gasicki. You know, it'd be nice to have him back because I think you know with with McDaniel here, I think it'll help. His that's game interesting. Quite a bit. Now
1: that's really Boom. interesting because with this guy leaning on the run as much as he does. Gasicki might be a guy he doesn't want. Exactly. Really? Exactly.
2: So that's yeah. I that's what I was alluding to a little bit earlier, talking about the tight end. And I agree with you, Mike. I I, I disagree with you, Lou. I think that Gasicki is now a little bit more expendable than he would have been otherwise. Because he doesn't block. So you're either gonna have to see him just split out wide and have Smythe in, you know, in line or maybe our, our new guy that just came in last year, whose name is... Hunter Long. Hunter Long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this makes Gasicki and the possibility of his large contract much more expendable. You look at a guy like Kittle, and even uh, Ross Dwelly, the backup tight end that was there in San Francisco, those guys are great blockers. Gasicki is not that.
0: He's, right. he's never going to be, never. But, the, but but he is a weapon. Maybe he, he decides the, to keep him, and and exactly you know. a lot of double tight end sets. I yep. mean, it, they, listen, Smite's a free agent as well. So you know, for them to bring both of these guys back, I think it's beneficial. You look around the league, guys, and um, you know, to get the whole package like a Kittle or a Kelsey, it, 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 it's, it's not it, it's not easy. It's rare. No, I mean, it's, it, it's extremely rare. So. If you let Gasicki walk, I think it's I don't think it's a good thing. I think we're losing one of our better weapons, a guy that can probably excel in an offense like this, especially in double tight end sets because uh, you know you you can throw to him. I mean, he's not the greatest blocker, and, but there's a ton of other guys that aren't in, you know as well. I mean, there's a reason why you have some of these older guys still in the league that are still playing for teams. The guy out in San Diego. Well, here's the
1: question, Lou. How much do you want to pay for a part-time
2: player? That's really what it comes down to. Right. We yep. know you have a man crush on Gasicki, Lou.
0: Actually, You've uh, developed
2: a huge man crush on Gasicki, and that's okay. We, I like him, too. I'm, I'm being facetious, and you have to look at that.
1: I like Gasicki. I, I think there are traits that he has that are above-average traits. He's got great hands. He knows how to get open, and and those are important things for a tight end. But I also feel he plays soft sometimes. He doesn't break tackles. You know, he doesn't get a lot of yak. And, uh, you know, obviously he has blocking issues. But I've seen him throw blocks that were effective as well. So, you know, maybe they get some coaches in here that can work with him a little bit and get him just a little bit better in the blocking aspect of his game.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're challenged on offense, guys. I mean, you take him out of the mix... And, you know, there's been talk where you spread him out and you you make him a wide receiver. Whatever the case may be, he's a guy that is important to, is going to be important to our offense if we're able to keep him. I mean, you take him out of this offense and what do you have? I mean, literally, what do you have? You have to, I mean, Smythe is very, very solid, right? He's a solid player, but, you know, he's solid within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage catching the ball. He's dependable. He's not a guy that does what Casseck does. He's a poor
1: man's Bruce Hardy.
0: (laughs) Basically, right.
1: The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner, of Super Bowl 56, is giving its new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TPPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Again, that's promo code T-P-P-N at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21-plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Voidware prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee call or text TN Redline 800 889 9789 in Connecticut call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat in New York call 877 8 hope NY or text hope NY 467 369
0: you look around this offense and you've got waddle You've got Parker, who, you know, just has a problem staying on the field. Past that, you don't have a lot. And, I mean, that, that's collectively. Running backs, you know, your, your other receivers that are under contract, there's just not a lot to work with there. Um, so, you know, do you want to put yourself in a position where now one of your better receiving receivers is, is now gone and you have to replace them somehow some kind of way? You know, I don't think Hunter Long's the answer. I really don't. Well, think, we, did,
1: we didn't see enough of know, Hunter Long, and it's safe to assume that, you know, he needs some development.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's definitely safe to assume because the guy, even when we were, you know, we had guys down, uh, was not being part of the offense, which was a surprise to us. I mean, there were weeks where, you know, we had one tight end down or one injured and, and another one out. He wasn't getting on the field at all. So what does that tell you? I mean, it tells us know, he
1: wasn't ready. That's what it tells us. Yeah. I mean, and it's not unusual for a rookie tight end not to be ready.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, you know. I'm
1: not saying he's going to be anything, but I'm saying give him the benefit of the doubt because it's a tough position to learn your first year.
2: I'd think that it's probably safe to assume as well that Mike McDaniel is looking at Waddle and just salivating at the opportunity to use him in so many different ways. We talk about the offense being limited, and, and that's true. But take a look at what San Francisco has done over the last few years. They've got the most out of a limited amount of talent, and they've created a bunch of space, not only on the inside, but on the outside with, uh, with the innovation in the running game and the way that they use their receivers. So there's a possibility that we see. I mean, obviously, we're going to see the offense change. But we may very well see guys who have been underperforming start to perform better. And, I mean, obviously, that's the hope, right? Well, with that in mind, uh,
1: since 2017, the 49ers rank 11th in yards per rush, 7th in rushing touchdowns, 4th in yards per rush against 8-man boxes, and 6th in explosive rush rate. That's rushes for 12 or more yards. The Dolphins last year were 31st in yards per rush. They were tied for 24th in rushing touchdowns. They were 26th in yards against a rush against eight-man boxes, and they were 30th in explosive rush rate. So, you can see that he's going to come in here and he's got something to work on because that's, that's going to need to be improved. So to me that's one of the challenges that he's going to face getting our rushing game on par with a team like San Francisco where he was able to have some success.
2: It would be really nice to see us actually have a running game because it's been a long time. And if if you look at what he's done in those rushing attacks, it's been to Mike's point earlier with a lot of undrafted guys, guys who were drafted late um and just scheming this offense into production. So I'm pretty excited to see what he can do.
0: Right. You, you watch the guys, you know, in San Francisco that have run the football. You know, Mitchell's very, very good. I mean, he's talented. You look at our offensive line and, um, you know, we can knock them all we want. But I'll tell you what, you know, down the stretch, they were running the ball very, very well with a guy that they basically took off the scrap heap in, in Duke Johnson. It shows you what a guy with you know with, with with just a and Duke Johnson, as you mentioned earlier, Daniel, is not a world beater. He came in and he had a couple of hundred yard games, and he was averaging a good amount of yardage per carry. It was for this, it. foreign change, right? Which is fine. I mean, we're fine with that. He had some very solid runs every single game. You know, you talked about the ten to twelve yard runs. It seemed like every game down the stretch, he was having those type of runs as well. The offensive line gave him opportunities. The thing is, is that we have to have you have to have some sort of talent at that position, and we saw what Duke Johnson was capable of doing behind this offensive line. You get a guy in here um, that that literally is a really good running back, and um, you know I think we can do some damage. As I you know, as I said, the offensive line improved quite a bit in the run game very, very late in the season. You know, they, they were productive. You know, where we were where we were getting killed was the passing game down the stretch, but the running game was doing their job. Even in the Tennessee game. If you go back to that, you know, we talked about the fact that they abandoned the run, maybe a little bit too early. Maybe so. Maybe so. But um they were productive when they were running even against a team like Tennessee. So you know we'll see what happens i mean you know i'm looking forward to it i mean you know we have a lot of good young offensive line maybe he can you know offensive linemen maybe he can help them as well and and we see a lot of um you know that's where
1: i think the scheme will probably help them uh, a little bit anyway
0: yeah we'll see you know it's going to be interesting i mean you got to be excited though you know the fact that you know we've got a guy in here that um you know, is gonna think on those terms. And if we do in fact bring Boyer back or we do get um um who was it that you were talking about earlier, Fangio. Daniel? Fangio. Fangio. yeah, I mean very, very good defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, you know, you're solid. And you know, that side of the field is solid. You had a couple more pieces on the defensive side as well. And, you know, you've you've got you've got a nice solid situation here. You know, you've got both sides of the field, you know, kinda of on par with each other. So it's an exciting time for us. There's no doubt about that. Well,
1: after the past month, how could it not be?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the last podcast we did, I said, can we do something, you know, just something positive? And, you know, I'm glad that it's finally over. And now they can start working on a staff and they can start preparing for the draft. I mean, it, it's extremely important. That and free they,
1: agency first.
0: Free agency first as well. Right. I mean, you know. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how we approach this, you know, this whole free agency thing, um, you know, and what we do with the guys that uh, we could possibly lose.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's the first thing they'll be working on, Lewis.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, hopefully. They'll
1: go over that roster with a fine tooth comb and they'll figure out who they want to keep and who's expendable and who's, you know, needs to be restructured and all that kind of stuff.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Um, A lot of money to work
2: with. As long as we don't spend it all, but 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 it'll go quick if they don't spend it right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I I I will say Greer has been doing a pretty good job with contracts recently and keeping us in a good spot. So I'd agree with that. Yeah. We'll see if that continues. It's going to be (laughs) it's going to be really important for the future success. Keeping those contracts in line.
1: Well, you know, it was easy after you blew things up. Because then everybody's coming in young, and they're on their rookie contracts. As these, as those rookie contracts begin to expire, that's when we'll get a feel for how well Greer can manage the cap.
2: Yeah, as long as he doesn't keep pushing things out, you know, having these bonuses that are being well. Paid sometimes, for five you years. Sure, sometimes you have sure, to. Sure. Sure. But but you know, you, you want you want to do it.
1: that on the players you know you're going to keep a while. Yeah, not, not the guys the who will be gone and right because that's where it's going to bite you in the butt. Anything else you guys want to discuss?
2: Yeah, I'd like to just make a couple of quick points here. You know, we talked about when we first started talking about the new head coach, sir, I think all of us really wanted a guy that had some experience. And those guys went quick. And then you had the whole Ross and Greer situation. And there was a lot of question marks. Now, I will say, and we made the point earlier that McDaniel's been around a little bit. I don't think that we should overlook the fact that he has been to three NFC Championship games and two Super Bowls since Atlanta in 2016. So in the last six years, this guy's been in three NFC Championship games and two Super Bowls as an offensive coach. So you'd like to believe he knows what it takes to win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to remember. I mean, he seems to be a player's coach. These guys love him. I don't know if you guys have watched any of his press conferences. He is definitely an individual. He's not a cookie cutter. It's going to be a lot a lot more interesting than listen listening to our previous previous coaches Same four sentences. Yeah, those press
1: conferences drove me nuts. I just stopped listening to them because
2: they say absolutely nothing for twenty minutes. I knew what he was going to say before he came. Well, it came
0: from the Belichick school, Mike. I mean, come on, what does he bring to the table? I mean, that's who he learned from, right? On to Cincinnati. I mean, yeah, on to Cincinnati, right? (laughs) We lost. We lost. They beat us. Uh, They played better than us this evening. Um, We didn't play very. well. We got to do
1: a better job. I've got to do a better job. Take it day to day. Right.
0: And we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, And that's it. That, that I mean, you know, that's where, he, you know, that's the school he came from. I mean, you know, when Flores came over, we heard all the same things. You know, he's a player's coach. The players love him. We saw a bunch of New England guys coming over. You know, we heard much of the same thing. As Mike mentioned earlier, you know, this is what you're going to hear in regard to, you know, any time you have – Somebody coming in you're not going to hear a lot of negatives because it just uh, they, they just don't do it um, so let's just hope that this guy you know gets the job done on the offensive side of the football and um, you know we start seeing something from that side of the field because the defense has done an extremely good job I mean they've played to a playoff caliber level it's it's the offense that has that has hurt us and that's what I'm excited about. The fact that, you know, now maybe the offense will catch up to the defense a little bit and, you know, maybe we'll uh, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see them in the playoffs when it's all said and done. You know, I won't be shocked if the defense takes a step back. Really? Really. Well, even with all the guys coming back, Agba yes. coming back and X Man yes. coming back, you yes. think that, now why is that?
1: Well, first of all, X Man's a, a question mark, right? We don't know what's going to happen. With well, him,
0: assuming so. he's here, Mike, why? Why would you say that?
1: Because I think the, the defense that they're running is not going to be something that they're doing as much of in the future. Okay, and that's
0: why. Because even I think with that, Boyer possibly coming back, I don't believe Boyer's going to come back.
2: Okay. I think it's going to depend a lot on what we see from the offensive side. I mean, we all know that one side affects the other. If we can keep drives going with the run game, we can put points on the board. It's going to make our defense more effective. If the Maybe. defense is on the field less, they get yes. the opportunity to come after the quarterback more. Uh, Jalen Phillips takes a step forward. I, I actually... Especially if Vic Fangio comes in, I, I think that we may have an opportunity oh, he is very good. to he see is very good. a defense that's a little better, even if uh, you know some of the stats might not say so.
0: Right. I mean, if you look at our team over the last couple of years, you had to play, Mike, you had to play that type of defense. That was the only way you were going to win football games. You, you had guys that you, you basically put on an island on the outside, the two yep. corners, and you had to take those chances because they had to dictate. And when they started doing that in the second half of the season, they started winning some more football games. When they were a little bit more passive early on, they weren't they were losing games. You know, I don't care, I you know, that's we had we were in a position where we had to depend on our defense to to win football games. If our offense as Daniel just mentioned is able to control the football a little bit run the football, keep them off the field a little bit less, you know, rather than us going three and out six, seven times a game in between, you know, um, some drives where we scored a few points, it, it'll definitely help them yeah. because they have a lot of talent on that side of the football. It's just that they're playing, they're they're on the field constantly and they're on the field, at, you know, at a really high tempoed pace, you know, where they're blitzing, they're they're running around. They're doing a lot of different things. So, you know, I think it'll definitely help if the offense, you know, kind of gets at least close to them in regard to being productive.
1: Of course. A well rounded team is always going to look better than a one sided team. And we were a one sided team. Yep. So, anyway, guys, thanks for joining me this morning.
0: Very welcome.
1: And thanks everybody for listening.
0: It was nice. And until to next be here. week.
1: Yep, yep, it was. Until next week, fins up, everybody.
0: Fins up. Fins up, Dolphins.
1: All right, that's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans Podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right, until next time. Be well and take care.